I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juvederm.com. Oh God, you know, I, want to, I, I actually would have loved to have spent most of today sitting in the dark. Do you ever get that? You just think, oh, I'll just stay in the dark. It's better there. I actually feel like I belong there right now in the dark, just alone. <laughs> Some quiet. Well, that, this bodes well for the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Women Talking Bollocks, a podcast where you'll hear, well, three women talking utterly bollocks. What you won't hear is anyone nattering on about fashion, makeup, diets, or those blinking Kardashians. I'm not even sure I know who they are, if I'm honest. But what you will hear is some uplifting, irreverent chat with myself, Jen Brister, and my two very dear friends, comedians and women the very wonderful, if slightly eccentric, Maureen Younger, and the dashing, kind, charisma bomb that is Alison June Smith. And we would like to thank this week our brand new patrons, uh, Sarah, Coral, and Maslin. Welcome to the WTB train. We are delighted that you've boarded with us. This is going to be a lot of fun for you. Uh, probably. Hopefully. Hopefully. No, but thank you is what we want to say. This bit's always a bit longer than it needs to be, isn't it? How's everyone? Is everyone okay? Alison, let's, I'm going to talk to you because I need some upbeat joy. I need some optimism. I need some love in my life. And your head is offering me that. Look at your face. It's smiling. It's ready. It's in anticipation. I'm really working on establishing a healthy relationship with social media, everyone. And I feel like it's been going good. I didn't have one at all before, so I think it's nice now that I'm trying. No, I think that was the healthiest relationship, the one that you had initially. (laughs) What we have done, it's almost like drug pushers who are like, get on social media. No, you've got to get on it. Now you're on it, you're like, I'm trying to develop something that's resembling healthy and we're all like, it won't last. But you are posting a lot more. I am. I'm trying. I'm trying to be like, hey, here's some stuff going on. Because, you know, as a comedian, that's what you're supposed to do. Keep people interested, right? And I, I tell you what, 
Chloe's on a social media course at the moment. She's sort of starting a new job and so she has to know about all of this. And she's been telling me about all the stuff that makes your Instagram posts. People look at your Instagram posts and she was like, you got to do this, you got to do that, you got to do this. And I was like, oh, that's interesting because I don't do any of that. I just think it's enough. But I stick a photograph up and I write a few words at the end. I didn't realise I had to have like 28 hashtags, a couple of emoticons, lots of spacing. and Also, every so often, an engaging one. So people want to engage, right? So it's like, and you're supposed to think of it in pillars, I believe. Pillars of who you are. There's the Jen, the artist pillar. Then there's Jen, the mum pillar. Then there's Jen, the Jen pillar. And then there's Jen... The, you know what I mean? And you want to give them a clear taste of all the pillars. Listen, I don't even know. I, I, I'm not even sure I'm one pillar. I've got nothing to offer people. I mean, I'm half a pillar, okay? I'm one pillar still standing. That is all I know. This photo is, I think, oh, that'll get a lot of interaction. Nothing. And then you put something up that you think nobody's going to be that interested in, and it gets a lot of likes. I can't figure it out. I can't figure it out. Puppies are where it doesn't matter what, I throw him on, and people are like, yes, yes. I'm like, well, there are people that ha- their dog is the Instagram that's their account. I will never be that person. If you give Bear his own Instagram account, I guarantee you within a week he'll have more Instagram followers than all of us combined. Guaranteed. I know. Yeah? I know. People love a dog in this country. What's the dog doing? Oh, the dog is dressed up as Santa Claus. Oh, 655,000 likes. Oh, I put up something very interesting about about me being on a bicycle. Ah, slightly less likes there, Alison. And, and you know, can a, can a dog ride a bike? Probably, but that's not my point. My point <laughs> is, can they carry fluoro as well as this lesbian? Probably not. Just ride into a field of puppies. Don't hit a puppy, though. That's the opposite. You will lose followers instantly. <laughs> you want to have a picture of your kid up? I don't really put pics of my kids up. But you got to put your children up, your dogs up, and in Maureen's case, I don't know, something disgusting that she's cooked. Salad de soirs? That's the kind of stuff that's going to go viral, okay? <laughs> Yeah, a quick go-to of a Niswa salad with noodles on it and bam, you've made the internet. <laughs> okay, what about you guys? Jen, you had exciting news this week. Yeah, you gigged, didn't you? In reality. Oh dear, yes. I gigged in the real life world of human people. Well, I say that, it was in front of cars. It was in front of parts cars. It was with Leanne. Our producer's already smiling and very excited to hear all about it. You didn't wet yourself this time, did you? All right. Okay. So this joke is just going to keep going, is it? Uh, <laughs> We're sorry. We're sorry. Didn't we talk about this last week? We will talk about it probably forever. I'm sorry, but it's it's a gooder. I mean, I left the house to Chloe saying, "Don't piss yourself." So uh, it's uh, uh, try not to try not to piss yourself this time. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. The kids are going to start. Bye, bye, mommy. Don't piss yourself. I love it. The shows were great. It was a really brilliant setup. It was in a beautiful location. We were in Henley on Thames. There were mm. kites flying up above us. Not actual, but that's the bird, you know, red kites. They, they, yeah. uh, I've, I've since I've since discovered that they're a pest because they're not indigenous to that this part of the country. And <laughs> like, people keep trying to shoot them. But anyway, that's not the point. The point is that we enjoyed them swooping over us. At one point, there was the promise of a rainbow. There were bluebells in the distance. Everything was kicking off in Henley, oh. let me tell you. Uh, Mark Watson was there. He was hosting. Uh, we had Nish Kumar. We had Catherine Bohart and myself. Uh, there was food that was being provided by Tom Kerridge and other people. I, I took the Rick Stein box. We were all living the Vida Loca, okay? 
What we want to do is get into the nitty gritty. How did the gigs go? Well, let me tell you, the first gig was like I was performing inside my own brain. I have absolutely no idea how it went. At one point, I was like, I don't know the punchline to this joke. Started another story. So what I kept saying is, I mean, lockdown. What a nightmare. Every time I got to a bit, every time I got to a bit where I was like, I dropped the C-bomb very early. I thought, read the room, Jen, you're in Henley. Oh, I I dropped the C-bomb like within about three lights. And then as I was dropped the C-bomb, I went, that's the wrong crowd for that, love. <laughs> I was in Liverpool. I didn't even drop the C-bomb. Wow. I don't even know where that came from. I've rarely dropped the bomb, but it was like part of my brain just went, panics, C-bombs come out. <laughs> so for me, I was floundering. And <laughs> then I, I realised, do material you know, Jen. Okay, don't do material you don't know very well. So I, I was like, I'm going to do the stuff I know because this is the stuff I've been doing on Zoom. Turns out it doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> All of that stuff I've been doing on Zoom doesn't work in a in a real life gig because whatever you do on Zoom is a completely different thing to doing it live. It's that's what I've realised. So any hey ho, I reverted to the old shit. And then it all sort of came together. And then the second show, I just went, do what you know. And it was all fine. It was all fine. I mean, it is still a weird gig, it, you know, performing in front of people in cars. But I, at the second show, I actually enjoyed. And I really got into it. But the first show, I was like, how do I do the comedy? What am I doing? Yeah, but you're not, you haven't done it for ages live. So that's normal, isn't it? You're not match fit. Oh, my days. I've never been this not fit to be on stage before. I, I can't remember the last time I felt this less fit match-wise. You know what I'm saying. Well, everybody's the same, though. And the audience is the same, too. They're not ready to be an audience. They're not fit. They, this is weird for everyone. Also, you did it in front of cars, so it's not... I mean, that's not the ideal, is it? The ideal is to see an audience of people sitting sitting in a room. I mean, you know, old school. Call me old school, but that is kind of the ideal as opposed to a lot of people in cars that you you don't know if they're laughing or not. Yeah, it is the ideal. But given where we are and what we, you know what we've got, beggars can't be can't exactly can't be that, that was it was great just to be able to perform in front of people wherever they are. Well, next week I'm doing going live for the first time, so I'll let you know how it goes. First one is my gig Birmingham, so I think that's that's obviously a it's not in front of cars and b it's my gig, so there's a extra relaxation there, so that should be touch. It's going to be a nice gig, hopefully. And then I'm in Coventry, so I'm in Brum, uh, in the Midlands at the weekend. But I didn't do any gigs at all, really. I did go to the woods and look at bluebells with Susan Murray. So And it was a beautiful photo you put up. Beautiful. It's really, it's just a whole piece of the wood was just full of, full of bluebells. And then we went looking for another part, but unfortunately we couldn't find it. But we did find the exit, which I preferred. So we could go home. I mean, I said to Maureen, so you went on this bluebell thing. She was like, yeah, we went to capture bluebells. I was like, I don't think that's what you were doing. Or just looking at them, I think it was the general. And you did make it very clear that you were quite happy when it was all over. Oh, it was an absolute carpet of bluebells. It was absolutely beautiful. What was the best part of it, Maureen? Well, when we left, that was fantastic. That was the best part. Oh. Well, again, I don't know what to say. This is absolutely roller coaster ride of fun and excitement on WTB. We are hitting the ground running. There is veritable G-force that has hit our faces with the excitement <laughs> that we have created in this in this part of the show. Well, you can't see this, but Maureen is holding her skin back uh, in a G-force sensation way. Well done, Maureen. Actually, that looks quite good. Keep keep your hands there. Great. 
But now it's time to head over to back over to Maureen, actually. We've got to head over to her because there's some kind of crazy bonkers nonsense she's going to be wittering on about. Come on, Maureen, you're younger. What's your beam or Maureen? I'm going to close my internet. Don't close your internet, Maureen. <laughs> I meant my email. Maureen switches it off at the wall. I haven't put any makeup on. Oh, for fuck's sake, Maureen, it's a podcast. Get a grip. We might have to push your boundaries out of it, okay? <laughs> so my dad is impossible to buy presents for, right? So for years, I bought him jumpers, then he got fed up, told me to stop buying jumpers. Then I bought him jigsaws, got fed up with that. And then I found this present. I thought, this is such a unique present. No one's ever bought him this. It's a really original idea. I was really proud. It was an antique silver shaving set. So I was like, oh, this is an amazing present. It's original. No one else has bought it for him. Uh, you know, it's just going to be perfect. And so we go to our favourite Greasy Spoon in Victoria, because obviously it's his birthday, so we're celebrating. I give him this antique silver shaving set. He looks at it and he points out that he's had a full beard since 1982. <laughs> Alison, it's not one of those finely trimmed beards. It's a it's just, uh, big motherfucking beard, okay? It's a bird's yeah. eye, Captain Bird's Eye beard. Yeah, he's not putting beard oil in that thing, is what I'm assuming. He just went, Mavis, because as you know, we're a very close family. He thinks I'm called Mavis. He went, Mavis, I've, I've had a beard since 1982. And he went, well, uh, I suppose I could use the comb. This is your dad. It's not even like someone you don't know that well, Maureen. This is somebody you know very well, who's had a bloody, <laughs> who's had a beard for 30 years. Oh, your dad is a shaving, it's either it's a hint or you've, you've really not thought it through. He doesn't know her name. She doesn't know his beard. They are a tight family. I knew he had a beard, right? I did know he had a beard. Even I know that about your father and I've never met him. But I didn't click, like I didn't click. That if you've got a beard, you don't really need to shave it. You don't it, shave it. <laughs> Do you ever find yourself buying shampoo for bald men? I just, just asking for a friend. I just didn't click. There was just something in my brain where I didn't put the two and two together. You see what I mean? You sound cool, cool. Yeah, I definitely <laughs> see what you mean. I, I, once again, I'm totally, I mean, I don't really see what you mean, but I, I, I am seeing what you meant, definitely. So, yeah, and I, you know, I'll put a photo up on the, on my social media, but if you see my dad, it's a full, like it's, as Jen says, it's like a big beard. It's Santa Claus. <laughs> Maureen, once again, you haven't disappointed us with your being more Maureen. Never. <laughs> Never. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I still think last week's is probably my favourite, but this one is uh, an oldie, but it's a goodie because I, I, I remember when this happened and Maureen told me and I was like, oh my God. <laughs> Anyway. Well, he got the comb. He got the use of the comb. Didn't you just say, oh, I'll take it back, Dad, and I'll get you something else? No, because I got it out of a second-hand shop, so I couldn't take it back. Does he use the comb? I don't know. I'm going to say no. <laughs> I'm going to say he re-gifted it. <laughs> it's back in that second-hand shop. That... <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Well, Maureen, once again, that is a classic be more Maureen. Thank you very much for making us all feel better about ourselves and our lives. <laughs> And now it's time to head over to somebody who's always made a lot more sense. It's time to ask Alison. Go to the gym, get it together, pay your taxes and stop eating chips. Take my advice. Take my advice. I ain't using it. Okay, this week, this is a good one, and I like this one. I think a lot of people will be affected by this. Someone wrote in, how do I get rid of guilt? 
Guilt. Ooh. I know. I know. And I was like, okay, just guilt in general. And I like that, again, that they leave it open. So guilt with someone else, guilt with yourself. I think it's irrelevant. I just went guilt. How do we, how do we get rid of guilt? So it's funny because I always go and I do research and I look online and, uh, everything about guilt, like any article, no, no matter what, no matter what newspaper, no matter what thesis, it all started with a picture of a puppy that looked like it did something wrong and was guilty. <laughs> like every single one was like every cute puppy you could imagine in the world, like one puppy like ate the toilet roll again and one puppy, and it was just like the sweetest. It was, so ever, if you want to see some of the cutest puppies, just Google guilt, everyone. I'm telling you, I saw some of the cutest puppies. Beautiful, soft. Anyway, okay, I won't go on about it, but cute puppy. <laughs> uh, so guilt. Let's, let's define guilt. We all know what it is, but let's just uh, go over it again. Is the feeling you get when you did something or perceive that you did something wrong. Guilt can lead to the shame feeling, the feeling that you uh, that your whole self is wrong, right? So you punish yourself. So it's, I think a lot of people do this. And studies show that self-criticism is one of the biggest predictors of depression. So carrying around guilt is one of those negative emotions that just kind of like breeds more negative emotions. And it's interesting too, because guilt is sometimes really associated with things that we love, right? So like, uh, let's say food, you eat a lot of food, you feel guilty about it, or, or you spent too much money, you feel guilty about it. So often guilt and pleasure get lumped into the same kind of the same thing a lot of the time, which I, I thought was very, very interesting. We all have experiences that we have regret about. Let's be honest. Nobody is perfect. Uh, I myself, in grade two, I only had one very good friend, everyone, and her name was Katie. Katie M. I will not say her last name because I don't want to expose uh, her identity. Katie was one of the greatest friends I ever had. Everyone else was mean to me but Katie. And you know what? One day, some of the other kids decided that they would be friends with me, but they didn't want to be friends with Katie. And you know what, guys? I sold out Katie. I sold out my one good friend. And I remember that from grade two. And I felt, I never got over that. I always felt guilt about that. I ran into Katie several years later at a gig, and she came up to me and she was like, oh my God, Allison, do you remember me? It's Katie, Katie M. And I was like, I started to cry, and I said, Katie M., I sold you out in grade two to a bunch of people. I know I did, and I've always felt bad about it because you were my only real good friend. And she started to cry. And so to be, I know it sounds ridiculous, but I carried so much guilt, and I came clean the first opportunity I had. And it made me feel, um, I don't know, I felt silly at the time, but it made me feel a lot lighter. Guilt is also not always a bad thing. If we look at guilt as a positive thing, because guilt is one of those emotions that you only really get it when you're doing something in life that you have to analyze and think about. So I think guilt is kind of a, a good indicator for us, right? It's one of those times where you're like, why do I feel guilty? Why am I carrying the guilt? The best thing you can do with guilt is really go into identifying what is it you're guilty about and be honest with yourself. What happened? Why are you carrying this guilt? Why did you feel it was your responsibility? Identification is number one. Acknowledgement that you did do something is step number two. Number three, if you can try to apologize or do something to amend the thing, it shows accountability, and that really helps with the guilt as well. And it takes a lot of 
guts to do that sort of thing. And then show remorse as well by apologizing. You're showing that you have remorse. It just shows that you've learned from this experience. And the big thing that I want to put on people that carry around a lot of guilt is when you start to beat yourself up and when you start to feel really bad about that thing that you did or may have done or, you know, I don't know, I want you to think of those really cute puppies that I was talking about at the beginning of this. I want you to think of those sweet, warm, fuzzy puppies. Think of them looking at them with those those big eyes. They're so sorry. And just imagine you're the puppy. And I want you to treat yourself with the same love and compassion that you would treat that puppy with. And that is my advice on guilt today. Alison, that's a tricky one, isn't it, guilt? Thank you very much, by the way. I've got the opposite problem because I don't tend to do guilt, even when I'm in the wrong. I know. And um, I'm, I'm not going to tell you what I read that as labelled, but I, <laughs> I think it's an efficient way of life. <laughs> I like this. Guilt is an emotion of the past. Remember that as well, right? It's rear view looking. Yeah, I remember when true. I started to drive and my buddy would always say, you look in your rear view all the time. And I was like, that's an analogy for my life. I'm looking at the past too often. Guilt is an emotion of the past. Move it, it forward. It is. That's a really, that's really, I like that. I'm going to remember that because a lot of the time you can, I don't know if you do this thing. Obviously, Maureen, you'll have to shut down for this bit because you won't be able to relate. <laughs> But um, <laughs> she's like split ends, split ends. Go she's on, split ending her tits off right now. Do you get that thing? I don't know if any of you can relate. You sort of wake up at like two o'clock in the morning or three o'clock in the morning and you, you suddenly remember a thing that you said or a thing you think you said or a thing that you did. And you think, oh, my God, I did I do that thing? Did I offend them? Did I upset them? Have I have I severed that friendship? Because I I, 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 I still have that. I still go through that. And sometimes, obviously, alcohol can, can um, you know, uh, sort of exacerbate that but often I'm sober <laughs> and I still wake up with these anxieties and guilt about past wrongs that I think I've done and and the reality is I'm sure that whoever that person I'm worrying about <laughs> doesn't thinking about it at all isn't, isn't no, thinking about no. it at all hasn't thought <laughs> about it. it it's just a blip or if it did bother them at the time they've gotten over it because it was seven years ago but we, you know, we have those things that we carry with us and it's quite hard to shake them off. And depending on how you've been brought up, Catholicism, um, it, 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 that can make it harder to learn to forgive yourself and to cut yourself some slack. I think also we tend to think we're more important in other people's lives than we are. So people aren't, people really aren't thinking about us as much as we think they might be. No, no, but but often, but often it's not even them thinking about me. I entirely know it's me thinking about them, but it's it's that feeling that oh, I did something that was, uh, you know, that was unforgivable. When in actual fact, it was fine. You know, it's fine. Nobody, nobody gives a shit. Everyone's moved on. You know, move on, move on as well. I mean, I'm sure Maureen. There's been times when, hello, anyone there? Okay, never mind. <laughs> I was just checking she was still listening. But one other thing I'll just say before we move forward is um, I often think that guilt, I don't, again, I might be making a projection here and I might be wrong, but do you think that women seem to carry a lot more guilt than men? I have three brothers and I really don't feel they experience any guilt <laughs> ever. <laughs> about anything women are taught from a very early age to be understanding and i think that is what we meant to understand and see other people's point of view and so i think that's that feeds into the guilt whereas men aren't aren't meant to you know aren't given that they don't have to understand yeah, yeah. we are meant that's so true we are meant to consider everyone over ourselves aren't we whereas men are taught from a very young age 
to just focus on their needs, their wants, their desires. Whereas we're supposed to be going, but what, how does he feel? Think about his feelings. What? Don't don't do that because it might upset him. Whereas they're like, well, I'll go. As long as I'm on top, who gives a shit? I mean, I'm not suggesting all men are psychopaths for heaven's but sake. But I think no. But I think men and women are judged differently. So you know, if you've got a woman killer or a man killer, that there's more judgment. I mean, condoning either, but I think there's more judgment against the woman than there would be in a man because somehow it's seen as more unnatural and more unnatural for a woman to. I mean, I don't yeah. know about the rest of you, but I've had many a day where I could have. Let's move on. Someone. Anyway. <laughs> Biologically, we have to have more hormones in us that make us give a shit. Otherwise, we would have killed children and men left, right, and center, right? Like, there's part of us being the caregivers. There's something in us that's like, I will tolerate a lot because I'm going to keep you alive and I'm going to keep caring for you all. I don't know how much that, that's true. I think a lot of it is we're socialized to, to feel that way. You know, women, women aren't born women, they become women. Oh, that's the, well, I'm paraphrasing Simone de Beauvoir there. But it's, I think we're, we're taught, where we're taught and brought up, we're brought up in a certain way to think and feel. Do you think way. it would be different though if dudes were the ones that squeezed out a baby and held them to their nipples? I think there's a bit of both. I, I think there's a socialization of women and I think that just the very biology of carrying a child and breastfeeding or not even breastfeeding or whatever. I think there's a mixture of the two and I think, both together make it very difficult for women to not carry guilt and to not feel responsible for other people. But I think there's definitely both. And I don't think that you can separate one from the other. I think that they are very much intertwined. Hey, there might be some feminist thinkers out there who are like, you're 100% wrong, Brista, but guess what? Get your own podcast. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Spout your own crap out there. <laughs> and this is what we're saying oh, on WTV, okay? <laughs> Well, Alison, thank you very much. That was once again a very thoughtful and thought-provoking Ask Alison. Dankeschön. Gracias. Merci beaucoup. Oh, I just de bring nada, up... Jennifer. Oh, de nada. Oh, I mean, we may have gone through Brexit, but this is a very Eurocentric WTV podcast. Okay. What is the show called? Oh, yeah, I've got it. We've been talking bollocks. Yeah. Okay. Is everyone happy with that? <laughs> so now, what have we all been watching on television? Uh, I watched a documentary this week. It was on Teddy Pendergrass, so you know I mentioned it a couple of weeks back. If You Don't Know Me is the name of the documentary and it's on BBC Two and it's all about his life and his music. It was really interesting because obviously, you know, he was in a, a big accident with became a paraplegic but he still made albums afterwards you know obviously when he first happened to him he, he just wanted to die which you, I, you can understand but then he became he he, he, got, he actually appeared in Live Aid uh, in the in as a paraplegic performed there and sold all these records and he got gold records for it and you know and he just realized he wanted to live there was more to more to life than uh, and he just wanted to carry on and it was just a very interesting documentary what was really horrible was that he'd made all these millions for the record companies and for loads of people and as soon as he had his accident nobody wanted to know you were saying maureen that um you know during the height of his uh, success and his fame he was ritually harassed by the police as well he was about he was suing the police at the time of the accident so there's all these theories but he was a very rich man he had a very big house he had a green rolls royce i think it was the only one in philadelphia at the time and he was also very overtly sexual at a time i think when 
you know, a lot of people objected to that. You know, he was a very overtly sexual black guy. And I think people, oh, so white people, obviously, felt some white people felt uncomfortable with that. And I think he, so he was getting harassed. So he, whenever he was driving his car, he'd get followed by the police in Philadelphia and they would stop him and find excuses to stop him and everything. So he, he was getting a lot of harassment because obviously he was this very successful black guy. That he, he was being primed really to be the like the black Elvis, you know, he had he had marketing deals for jeans and for drinks and stuff like that. And I think obviously his success didn't go down well with a lot of people. No, and there's nothing more terrifying by, for some white people than um, a, a, a successful black, anyone, a successful black man or woman, but a black man that is also very confident with his sexuality and that white women find attractive. Oh, my days. That's terrifying. He was an absolutely gorgeous looking guy. He was really really good looking and very sexy voice and he had all that he had, he had the full package and so he was just just on the cusp of i think being absolutely major and all that and so somebody fiddled with the brakes and they obviously don't know who it was whether it was a rival nobody knows and the idea that they would the police would follow this such a successful person you know i mean i was quite i mean i suppose black americans are probably not that surprised but i was surprised that they would actually do that they would actually follow him all the, every time he was in the car because um, yeah, green Rolls Royce, that was really rubbing their nose in it, I suppose, for that, as far as they could. Well, so. yeah. I think if if you're a, a, a black man in America, particularly at that time, but really at any time, I mean, I don't think anything has really changed. Um, I don't think you have a huge amount of faith in the police, do you, or trust? And uh, and I think it's going to take decades for the police to gain the trust of um, black men and women in in the states because you know it's gone uh, forever. But it's interesting also, I don't know if you heard that um, the Pride in New York this year, Pride have banned the police from joining the parade until 2025. And they actively are seen to try to address, you know, their reputation in terms of the, the, the community don't trust them, the LGBTQ community don't trust them, uh, the black community don't trust them, and until they regain the trust of those two communities, they're not welcome back, but at least until 2025, which I think is huge. And I think it's actually, um, well, you know, you might disagree, you might you might say, do you know what, how can we ever, you know, how can we ever get the police to get, to, you know, to do more for these communities if we don't sort of integrate and we don't have these uh parades with them there blah 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 but actually i think it's important to say do you know what i whatever you're doing it's not enough mm -hmm. and until you start actively changing um and and you start training police officers differently because then you know at the moment police officers generally have scorecards don't they the amount of people they arrest that's how they you know that's how they sort of get their promotions and how they are seen to do well as opposed to you know protecting people so until they you know i'm sure there are lots of things that they want to see change but i thought that was a, that's a big that's a big thing anyway that's interesting so where did you see that again it's on bbc, say, BBC. BBC too but it, you can get it it's on bbc iplayer at the it's moment. an iplayer great mm. but if you're in uh if you're not in the uk i'm terribly sorry it's not available good <laughs> what about you guys what did you see jen what have you watched well i was just trying to think back to, to, to what i've been watching i'm still watching mayor of east town which is my i just love that show so much i, I just i'm so in love with all of the characters particularly uh, kate winslet and her mother in it i just love that relationship i think if you watch that you'll understand my relationship with my mum a bit more um <laughs> and it's not quite as acrimonious <laughs> as that but there are times when we have spoken to each other like that and the the guy that plays the FBI agent or the other agent that is helping her, he's brilliant as well. He was in American Horror Story and he's been in lots of things. I, I'm not very good at learning 
who's been in what I've really got no haven't got the memory for it but anyway overall that that drama is still my number one five stars from Brister I, I thought I've, I gave it five stars very early episode two and I thought oh god it could go downhill from here but I'm on episode four and I'm loving it but the other thing that I watched I watched it last night um I watched an I guess it is an old movie it's from 2000 called The Contender. It has Jeff Bridges, Joan Allen, uh, Gary Oldman, Christian Slater, Sam Elliott. It's got an incredible cast and it's set uh, in the White House. I mean, it's it's a, it's a political uh, drama and I guess it's about misogyny and the way women are treated in politics compared to the way that men are treated in politics um, over a, a senator that's been promoted to VP and how she is treated when a certain spurious photographs are released of her in a sex orgy when she was 18. The story goes on from there, but it suffice to say there, there, there is a basically a, a, a vendetta to get her out way before that. And the story unfolds. And of course, it ends in a traditional Hollywood style, which is completely unrealistic. But I did really enjoy it. The acting in it is fantastic. But I think if it had been made now, the ending would be very different. Mm. <laughs> Do you know, it's interesting you say that because there, uh, there was a female senator who had revenge porn photos put, I think, of her on, online and she had to resign. Yet Matt Gates was allegedly showing photos, you know, yeah. on the Senate floor and nothing happened to him. I mean, there are senators who have been accused of rape, uh, sexual assault, uh, infidelity, uh, numerous affairs and that nothing ever changes. But if a woman is so much as, you know, is seen to be leaning against another, someone that's not who she's married to, that's it. That's her career over. But it's a good film and it's on Prime and it's free of charge. Yay, we like that. So what about the horror? What the horror, Alison? The horror. The horror movie this week. Well, to go along with the idea of guilt, uh, I decided I would choose a horror movie that was one of my guilty pleasures, everyone. So this horror movie is completely cheesy. It's so ridiculous. And it is called 13 Ghosts. It was just on TV the other day. And it is the story of a wealthy man who collects ghosts and he dies and leaves his ghost house to his nephew who does not know it's a ghost house. And so the scariness unfolds. The ghosts are fantastic. The makeup is very good. It is cheesy, gory. I don't know the name of the actor, but the guy who played Shaggy in the remake of Scooby-Doo, he's one of the main guys in it. Matthew Lillard. I really enjoy him. Yeah, yeah. So this one I know I have mentioned before, but I'm going back because it's a guilty pleasure, and that's why it fits in with the concept of guilty, is a 13 Ghosts. I think I mentioned it like early, early when we started, and it is to me just such a treat of a horror film. If you want to ease yourself into scariness, 13 Ghosts. It was just on TV the other night. That's why I'm bringing it up again. But you can also see it on Netflix. Alison, it gets an absolutely horrific reviews on Rotten Tomatoes. But you're saying... You're welcome. That's why, but that's why it's the guilty pleasure that it is. Oh, yeah. Nothing else to add to that. Okay, great. I, <laughs> I usually like to delve a little bit deeper into the horror stuff. But I guess if we have talked about this one before, then we can just go, look, just if you haven't watched it, revisit. It's fun times. I'm giving it a double recommendation, guys. Like, I'm giving you some fun 
fun, no brain horror. I'll hit you with some scary ones eventually. But. I mean, that's true. It's very rare that you do a double recommendation, Alison. So this has got to be one. Never to- done it. <laughs> this got it to makes be. me happy. <laughs> Thank you, Alison. Another horror classic. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Let's move swiftly forwards and onwards and into the corner that is often cultured. It's Maureen's Cultural Corner. Now it's going to be Maureen's cultural corner. Uh-huh. I haven't started it, Maureen. Hello. I'm, I'm going to start that again. <laughs> well, guys, it's going to be classic British movies, I've decided, this week. We haven't done movies for a while. First one, I know Jen's a big fan of this one. It's from 1935. It's The 39 Steps. Oh, I, yes, absolutely love this film. It's a classic. I used to have it on video. Have you seen it, Alison? No. Ah, it's brilliant. It's the first, uh, It's it, actually, the guy who wrote it, John Buchan, was the Governor General of Canada at one point, as you probably know. And, and um... I've read the book. <laughs> I thought his name was John Buchan. <laughs> so I've been calling him that for years. Buchan. No, John Buchan. John, John Buchan, okay. Yeah, John mm. Buchan. Oh. This is good, and then I find out I'm wrong. But um, 
it's it's great because Hitchcock changes the plot. It's actually a better plot than the one in the novel. And it's got Robert Donat in it, who is fantastic. Madeleine Carroll. And what happens is Robert Donat's character, Richard Hannay, he's accused of people. Police think he's murdered this woman. To be fair, she was found dead in his flat. So he's on the run from the police. But she was also a spy. So he's trying to track down this, this spy ring. And it's a really great movie. Robert Donat is brilliant in it. Um, totally recommend it. Wouldn't you say, Jen? It's, it's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. I absolutely loved it. I mean, I watched it when I was a, a teenager. And you know, when you're a teenager, you think, I don't want to watch anything in black and white. And then my mum got me into all of these black and white films, all of her favourite ones. And she bought them on video. And then she said, you have to watch them. So we watched loads of these. Uh, I think, um, no, was it Notorious? Yeah, Notorious, the, the, this one, The 39 Steps, and there's a few others, but I, this one I remember just because it's a real thriller and it's it's super fun, it's great. And there's this really daring scene set in the 30s where Madeleine Carroll's got to take her stockings off and they're manacled together. It's just, it's really well done. Now, the next film, The Third Man, was always voted the, the, the best British film ever. It's just recently been replaced by Paddington 2, apparently. But The Third Man... <laughs> What? <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm guessing the audience is a lot younger now. The audience, this is from 1949. It's absolutely fantastic. Me and Jen actually saw it in Vienna, of all places, together for my birthday once. I was just about to say, why do I know this? <laughs> yeah, we saw it. They, every Friday at Burkina, they show The Third Man, and it's set in Vienna. So obviously I can hear a bit of Viennese, which obviously I really like. But it, it, everything about it's great. The script is by Graham Greene. It's based on one of his short stories. It's got Joseph Cotton as Holly Martins, who's this down, down in his luck kind of pulp fiction writer who's invited to Vienna by his best friend, Harry Lyme, played by Orson Welles. And then he discovers that Orson, uh, Harry Lyme's been killed. And then he finds out there's a third man where when, when, he, when Harry Lyme was killed, there's this mysterious third man. He's trying to find out who this third man was. And Orson Welles is in the film for about, I don't know, 10 minutes. But it's she's just amazing in it. Absolutely amazing. And there's a very famous cuckoo speech, which apparently um, Orson Welles improvised at the time. But everything about it, the photography, it's in black and white, the cinematography, the, the characters, the, the, the plot, the story, everything about it is brilliant. And funny enough, it had a very famous Austrian actor in it called Paul Herbinger, and he played the porter in it. And they got everywhere they could, they could film in Vienna because they basically they just mentioned his name. Like nobody in Austria cared about Orson Welles or Joseph Cotton or, or Trevor Howard. All they cared about was this Paul Herb, Herbiger was in the in the film. But it's a fantastic movie. Um, and it's all about Vienna being corrupt and black market times and everything. And and it's all about friendship and betrayal and and guilt, actually. <laughs> To a certain extent. Hey! So, definitely worth watching. Uh, the third film is Brief Encounter from 1945. I just love it because it's so British. Uh, directed by David Lean, based on a story by Noel Coward. The speech is so clipped, isn't it? Oh, I know, it's so British. Darling. There's Celia Johnson. Hello, darling. Trevor Howard. Hello, darling. Uh, and it was voted the second greatest British film of all time. Presumably it's been replaced now by Paddington 1. <laughs> <laughs> but what I love about it is so... I don't know if you've seen it... Uh, Alison, but it's so British that you've got this middle middle class housewife who ends up falling in love with this doctor, Alec, played by Trevor Howard. And they first of all, they start off as friends and then it becomes a relationship. I mean, it's a British affair. So basically they have one chase kiss. So if you're French or Italian, you're probably going, what the fuck are you on about? But it's all about this idea of, you know, should they carry on with this relationship or should they, you know, do their duty and think of their families? And it is incredibly British. It's a time, it's kind of a callback to a Britain that, that, clearly doesn't exist now and I'm probably quite glad it wouldn't because I would have been the tea lady but, um, <laughs> but <laughs> definitely 
probably wouldn't be in the Celia Johnson character, but I do really enjoy it. And the fourth one, I'm going to sneak a fourth one in. It's a guilty pleasure, talking about guilt. It's The Wicked Lady, again from 1945. Can I just say, uh, Brief Encounter was so popular, 18.6 million people went to watch it in one year. Wow, that is a, that's a successful film. Yeah, we don't get as many downloads, do we, I don't think. Uh, well, I think we're half of them. But anyway, this is my guilty pleasure, The Wicked Lady, which is a kind of historical costume drama, melodrama from 1945. Margaret Lockwood, who was stunning, very big star at the time, plays a noble woman who becomes a highwayman, ends up uh, going having an affair with another highwayman called James Mason. I love anything with James Mason because I just love his voice. It's like molasses. What I love about this character is that she's got no morals at all. She's totally immoral. I mean, yeah, because like you were talking about how women are portrayed in this. She doesn't give a shit. She kills. She cheats. She's just horrific character. But she kind of gets away with it with a plum. So if you want to watch a kind of 1945 British melodrama, costume drama, this is the one for you. It's brilliant. Well, that's a real uh, list you got there, Maureen. Thank you very much. I've actually, weirdly, I'm sometimes, I'm more often than not, I'm like, I don't know what you're going on about. But today <laughs> I have watched three out of four of those. I, oh, I, what was it? The Wicked. The Wicked Lady. The, yeah, no, I've, no I, don't, I don't think I've even heard of it. So it's, that's the one that intrigues me the most. I mean, you know, I prefer it if she got together with a highway woman. But, uh, you know, you can't have everything. <laughs> it was 1945. That was never going to happen. <laughs> I know. I mean, do you know the amount of times I watched Calamity Jane and was really confused at the end? Anyway. <laughs> Who'd want to be a Kardashian? That just seems grim. Can we stand by that, everyone? <laughs> so what's got your goat, Jen? We don't have any blinds in our bedroom and it's doing my head in, okay? Do you have no blinds in your bedroom? We've got curtains. Well, what's wrong with curtains? Nothing, but we used to have blinds, which meant that, uh, as, as well as curtains, which meant that I could get dressed with the curtains open. Now... If I want to do anything, I come in and go, I want to just change my top. I have to pull the curtains together because otherwise I'm just basically showing my street, my tits, which apparently I have been doing. You can see straight into our house. If you are on the pavement and you look up, you can see into my bedroom. If you are in the bedroom opposite, you can see into my bedroom. If you're the bedroom diagonally, you can see into my bed. Chances are there might not be anybody there, but it doesn't make me feel any less comfortable, Maureen. <laughs> If I'm honest. I'll just think what's well, their own fault for looking. It's not really the point I'm making, Maureen. The point I'm making <laughs> is about privacy. <laughs> and how I would like some privacy. It's not really about how yeah. I'm not worrying about what other people are feeling. This is about me. Do you understand? <laughs> and just the fussing of the fucking curtain all the time, right? Close the curtain, open the closing close. So why did you get rid of the blinds? Because we got rid of the blinds because Chloe hated the blinds and then we were going to replace the blinds and that was four years ago and we haven't replaced the blinds and I've basically been flashing my tits since. Okay, so that's what's <laughs> getting my go is the fact that I constantly, I got I got dressed late. Okay, it was late. It's not, I'm not working today, basically. So I had to get dressed behind a wall because I'm not closing the curtains. <laughs> so I'm behind a wall, taking my bra off, putting my knickers on. And I'm like, this is, this is the, this is... And then Chloe comes in, she's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm trying not to flash my bits and bobs to the street. Is that, you know, why don't you pull the curtains together? I don't want to pull the curtains. And be, I don't want to get dressed in the dark. Anyway, this is what's getting my goat. I mean, as I say it, it doesn't seem like a big deal. These aren't big deals. This is the point of this part of the show is that I say it out loud and it sounds stupid. I've said it now and I'm like, oh, get a grip, woman. Get Why don't you get dressed in the other room? You've got a bathroom. I don't know why I'm not doing that. I'm just not. I'm still in my room, hiding behind a wall or often ducking. Under, so I'm crouched by my bed, putting my underwear on and it's getting my goat. <laughs> and that is a loud Jen. Thank you. God damn it. Thank You're you, welcome. Alison. Just what a little bit of understanding. Curtains. <laughs> Fucking curtains. Am I right? 
Maureen's out there. Well, it's their fault for looking. You've missed the point again, Maureen. And this is constantly like, it's like talking at cross purposes with somebody. Don't give me that face, Maureen. Don't make me feel guilty about this bit. <laughs> right, well. We've covered everything, haven't we? We've covered this, that, this, that, we, and the other. I mean, everything. Yeah. yeah. We don't need to cover ev- anything else because everything has been covered in this here episode, The End. Women talking bollocks. Thanks so much for listening. Please do continue to like and subscribe on our Acast page wherever you get your podcasts. If you enjoyed today's episode, leave a wonderful message saying how much you enjoy our dulcet tones, particularly mine. And we're also on Patreon now, so we're going to be sharing extra content and we'd love you to join us there. Join us. (laughs) Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.